this is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach, and I'm the founder of PCOS Diva, and welcome to another edition of the PCOS Diva podcast. And today, we're going to be talking about Hashimoto's, and I don't know if you know, <clears throat> excuse me, that women with PCOS are three times more likely to have this autoimmune thyroid uh, disease, and I've invited one of the prominent Hashimoto's experts, Dr. Isabella Wentz, to join us today. She's a pharmacist who's dedicated herself to addressing the root causes of autoimmune thyroid disease after being diagnosed with Hashimoto's in 2009. And she's the author of the New York Times bestselling patient's guide, Hashimoto's Thyroidosis, Lifestyle Interventions for Finding and Treating the Root Cause. And she's an ardent champion of incorporating lifestyle change and functional medicine into the treatment of autoimmune disease. So welcome, Dr. Isabella, uh, to our podcast. And I'm um, excited to have you share your knowledge with the PCOS Divas. Thank you so much for having me, Amy, and please call me Isabella. Okay. So, Isabella, uh, why don't you explain what the difference is with Hashimoto's and um, hypothyroidism. I know so many women that follow PCOS Diva are, um, have thyroid conditions, and whether it's Hashimoto's or um, hypothyroid, I, I think it would be great to kind of give us um, an overview and uh, an explanation of both. Sure, of course. That's a really great question. And, you know, just to kind of talk about the differences between the two, hypothyroidism is basically a clinical state where a person does not have enough thyroid hormone on board. And this clinical state could be induced by a variety of reasons. So that may be due to a person not having enough of the building blocks to create thyroid hormone within their own bodies. So a person who may be iodine or selenium deficient may become hypothyroid a person who has had their thyroid gland removed surgically may become hypothyroid. A person who takes certain thyroid-suppressing medications may become hypothyroid. And then also um, some people are born without having a thyroid gland and they may have, um, you know, they may not have an internal ability to produce thyroid hormones. Um, however, the most common reason in, you know, the, the westernized world for a person becoming hypothyroid and not having enough thyroid hormone within their body is due to an autoimmune attack on the thyroid gland. So what's basically happening within the person's body is that the immune system begins to recognize the thyroid gland as an enemy or a foreign invader, much like it would with a bacteria or a virus, and begins to start attacking the thyroid gland and breaking down thyroid tissue, which eventually leads to destruction of the thyroid gland, and at that point, you know, our poor little thyroid can no longer make enough thyroid hormone and a person becomes hypothyroid. This condition is, this autoimmune condition is known as Hashimoto's thyroiditis. It sounds, you know, um, exotic. And when I was first diagnosed, my husband said it sounded like a Japanese sword fighter, but it's actually a pretty common condition. And, you know, looking at the rates of hypothyroidism that is induced by Hashimoto's, it's going to be anywhere from 90 to 97 percent, depending on, you know, where the studies were done and the references that were used for that particular study. So a lot of women may be told that they have a sluggish thyroid, an underactive thyroid, 
or hypothyroidism, but they may not be told that the underlying reason for their thyroid becoming sluggish is because it's under attack by their immune system. And so they may never be tested or diagnosed with Hashimoto's where really that's the reason why their thyroid is underactive. So I know a couple of years ago uh, I went into my doctor, my general practitioner, and asked to be tested. This is after the study came out that um, women with PCOS are three times more likely to have Hashimoto's. And all my doctor um, was willing to test was my TSH. And, um, you know, how can we advocate for ourselves and ask a doctor to also test for this autoimmune condition? What types of tests do we need to ask for and advocate? You know, and that's a great question. And I personally was struggling with many thyroid symptoms for probably a decade before I was I had the proper testing done because the, you know, the the standard test is the TSH test, and that's the screening test for thyroid disease. It's known as thyroid stimulating hormone, and this basically is a hormone secreted by our pituitary gland in response to low levels of thyroid hormone in the blood. The problem with this test is that, um, well, one, it assumes that the pituitary and the thyroid gland are communicating correctly, which they're not always doing so. Um, and the other thing with that is that the levels may be all over the place in Hashimoto's. So if you do the test one day, you may test within the normal reference range. If you do the test on another day, you may be hypothyroid, and on the following day you may be hyperthyroid, depending on what part of your Hashimoto's you're testing in. So um, basically the thyroid antibody tests are going to be the tests that you want to ask for because these antibodies can be elevated, showing you that you have an immune attack on the thyroid gland before you actually start seeing, um, you know, more of a permanent change in the TSH. So this can be present for about five to ten years. The other issue with the TSH test that I should mention is that a lot of times, um, you know, what the way that reference ranges are calculated is when doctors or researchers will take um, blood from healthy donors, quote-unquote, and then we'll figure out what the normal reference ranges are for those people. Well, with thyroid disorders being very common, affecting you know as many as one in five people, depending on what references you, you're looking at, you're going to be um, they they accidentally had some people in that pool of blood who actually had thyroid disease. So the reference ranges were very lax for the TSH. And people were being told that their thyroid function was normal when they had a TSH of maybe like a 6 or an 8. Um, my TSH was personally around 4, and my doctor at the time told me that this was a normal number and that my thyroid was fine and I was, you know, losing hair and I was sleeping for 12 hours a night and just was very, very exhausted and had um, a lot of, you know, the common thyroid symptoms. So... If you've had a TSH test, one of the first things I would encourage you to do is ask for a copy of your thyroid test results and then look at those numbers yourself. So most people without thyroid disease should have a TSH, I would say, under 2.5. And, you know, further kind of getting that range a little bit smaller, I would say that most women feel best with a TSH between 0.5 and 2. And if you want it to be a real stickler for it, a healthy young woman should have a TSH somewhere right around one. 
Um, so that would be the first step is making sure that number is tested, but also asking to have your thyroid antibodies tested. And the two antibodies that are going to be the most common in Hashimoto's are going to be thyroid peroxidase antibodies. About 90% of people are going to have those if they have Hashimoto's. And then thyroglobulin antibodies, and that's those are going to be present in about 80% of people with Hashimoto's. And if you're taking notes, you can <coughs> abbreviate those as TPO and TG antibodies. Um, so, you know, one thing that I would ask your doctor is letting them know that you have a family history of Hashimoto's or that, you know, you're aware of women with PCOS having higher rates of Hashimoto's and then advocating for yourself that way. It, it helps to um, bring in some published research studies. So if you can Google PubMed and look up Hashimoto's <coughs> and um, PCOS, you might see an article or abstract of an article that you can take to your doctor just to help you with advocating for yourself. I've I found that most doctors are going to be pretty open to testing for these as long as you ask for the test. Um, you know, the, the best doctors will test um, for the antibodies on their own, but in many cases we may need to advocate for ourselves. And I will post uh, a link to that study that I was um, referencing uh, underneath this interview because I think it would be great for you to take that to your doctor's office. I, I, that has really worked for me in the past to come armed with studies from PubMed because you really can't refute those. Um, so mm-hmm. I, you had Absolutely. mentioned some, you, you had mentioned some symptoms, and I find that a lot of the symptoms of hypothyroidism really overlap PCOS. Um, so for those of you that are listening and, you know, you're not quite sure if you may have low thyroid, uh, I would love for you to kind of listen and, and um, see if any of this sounds like you. So why don't you kind of go over sort of the, the array of symptoms that you might um, experience, Isabella? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, some you know, in surveying people with Hashimoto's, the most common symptom that people experience is going to be fatigue. So probably 80% of people will just report being just so tired all the time. You know, they may have trouble getting out of bed. They may have um, hypersomnia where they're sleeping a very long time and they still don't feel rested. They just, you know, they may kind of lose their lust for life and just be tired all the time. Um, Along with that comes basically a general slowing down of your body where you may feel apathy. You're just not as excited about life anymore. Um, Some people may feel depressed. Um, You know, another part of of, um, common common symptom in Hashimoto's is going to be brain fog and memory lapses. So a person with Hashimoto's may start feeling like they're really forgetful. Um, I know for for me, it was quite embarrassing because I was always very, kind of very sharp and very quick, and all of a sudden I couldn't remember very simple words. I couldn't remember people's names. I was forgetting conversations. I was walking into rooms, completely spacing out why I had walked into them in the first place. And, you know, it took my husband being like, well, honey, we know how your memory is to for me to really realize that this was a big issue where... Unfortunately, my doctors were telling me this was a normal part of aging when I was 25. Um, the other kind of symptoms <laughs> that 
you know, we laugh now, but, you know, at the time it, it feels scary. You don't really quite yeah. know what's happening. Um, the other kind of symptoms that I really always try to highlight at the beginning of my conversation about Hashimoto symptoms are the impact of Hashimoto's on, is the impact of Hashimoto's on people's mood. So uh, numerous studies have connected a variety of mood disorders from anxiety to bipolar disorder to depression to panic disorders, even obsessive compulsive disorder to Hashimoto's. So um, women with Hashimoto's are more likely to suffer from anxiety attacks, panic attacks, um, different kind of mood disorders. And really, it's the thyroid that can be causing all of these things. So when we think about the, uh, the immune system attacking the thyroid gland, what's happening is that there's a breakdown of thyroid hormones, and those hormones get rushed into the bloodstream. So you might have kind of a hyperactive thyroid for a few minutes or a few hours where you feel palpitations and anxiety attack and panic attack or irritable, and then you will have um, a crash after that hormone gets cleared from the body and your thyroid gland is underactive and you might feel depressed. So unfortunately, I've seen people who were, you know, most commonly they'll be told that they need antidepressants or anti-anxiety medications like I was um, told that I needed those. But most commonly, women will be, um, no, that'll, that'll be the most common thing, but in, in some very sad cases, women have actually been hospitalized for bipolar disorder or psychotic disorders and put on heavy-duty psychotropic medications where, in fact, it was their thyroid that was causing them to have all of these mood symptoms. Um, and that's something that's very, very important, and I would recommend for anybody with kind of any weird anxiety symptoms or um, just their mood being off to get tested for thyroid antibodies. So some of the other more common symptoms are going to be weight gain or an inability to lose weight, hair loss, um, especially if you find that your hair has become more difficult to brush and you start losing more of it with brushing and after the shower, that, that's going to be a common symptom. Um, a loss of the upper third part of your eyebrow, that, that's kind of one of those telltale thyroid symptoms. If you are more cold than the average woman, if you're, you know, if you're the woman in your office that is always wearing a sweater and a scarf where everybody else is in short sleeves, that could be an indication of um, a poorly functioning thyroid gland. Joint pains um, in your body, just being, being kind of tired, um, those are some of the things that I want people to think about. Um, generally, the thyroid gland has receptors in just about every single cell in the body. So thyroid symptoms can be very, very nonspecific, and they can mimic so many different conditions. And it's very easy to talk yourself out of all the symptoms and say, "Okay, well, I'm scared. I'm just, um, I'm just tired. I'm not eating well, and that's why I'm, I'm losing hair. Or I'm stressed out." So, um, you know, it's it, it's kind of a, it's one of those conditions that can be very nonspecific in the symptoms. And if you were to look at thyroid symptoms, you know, I think there's a blog post out there that talks about a thousand different potential thyroid symptoms just because we do have thyroid receptors in every cell of our body. So I think a lot of women listening, uh, it sounds a lot of what we experience with PCOS, the hair loss, the fatigue, the anxiety, the depression, the brain fog. Um, so, uh, you know, I highly recommend that that women go ahead and, and get tested for the antibodies, just at, at, at the very least to rule it out. 
Um, but, okay, so what if a woman gets um, a positive for those thyroid antibodies and she has Hashimoto's? What, what's the next step? You know, for PCOS Diva, um, I, I really love to advocate um, lifestyle therapies and interventions. Maybe we could discuss those first. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm I'm a big fan of lifestyle interventions as well. So um, looking at just have a person with elevated thyroid antibodies, you know, the greater the number of thyroid antibodies, the more aggressive the attack on the thyroid gland will be. So we definitely want to try to reduce those antibodies and bring the immune system back into balance. Um, there's also a variant of Hashimoto's that is um, seronegative, where a person will not have thyroid antibodies, but if their doctor were to do a thyroid ultrasound, they would show changes consistent with Hashimoto's with, um, you know, with immune cells in the thyroid gland and different kind of uh, more of a rubbery texture in the thyroid gland. So that's something that I would want to, you know, tell women who really think they identify with this condition but maybe did not have the antibodies is, you know, also ask for a thyroid ultrasound. But um, off of that tangent, some of the most helpful lifestyle interventions that I found, and, you know, many of them are also going to be helpful for PCOS, I'm sure that you advocate for them, are going to be balancing your blood sugar. So about 50% of women with Hashimoto's were also found to have blood sugar dysregulation. And, you know, a lot of people have said that basically blood sugar imbalances are like pouring gasoline on the fire in autoimmune disease because, they basically have our adrenals working harder, and then that um, has an effect on the, our, our ability to control inflammation. So um, getting blood sugar in balance, making sure that you're eating good proteins and good fats every four to five hours and limiting your carbohydrates is going to help people feel better very, very quickly. So um, a lot of the anxiety symptoms are going to reduce and we're going to see a reduction in thyroid antibodies. Um, Other things that I highly recommend is looking for your food sensitivities. So trying to figure out which foods are nourishing you and which foods are causing you harm. Gluten, dairy, and soy are the biggest offenders in thyroid disease. So some women have been able to normalize their thyroid antibodies and thyroid function just by getting off of, you know, either one, two, or three of those foods. Um, the other types of things are going to be helpful is eating a nutrient-dense diet, like the paleo diet, so making sure that you're eating plenty of good fats, organic meats, organic vegetables, and just really filling up and nourishing your body. There are multiple nutrient deficiencies that have been implicated in triggering Hashimoto's, Selenium is probably the best researched one, and studies have shown that a selenium methionine supplement of 200 micrograms per day has been able to reduce thyroid antibodies by about half over the course of three months. So this is something that I recommend for just about every person with Hashimoto's is getting on a good selenium supplement. Um, Selenium, unfortunately, is one of those things that is difficult to get through diet. Um, Brazil nuts are the, you know, the richest source of selenium, but the levels of selenium in them are not going to be reliable, may not be enough or maybe too much for for getting the selenium levels up. The other common nutrient deficiencies are going to be B12 levels and then 
iron levels, which um, the most reliable test is going to be ferritin, um, and that's a storage form of iron to get that tested, and then also getting vitamin D levels optimized. So vitamin D, I would say I did a survey of um, 2,000 or so of my readers who had Hashimoto's, and something like 70% of them were found to have low vitamin D levels. And vitamin D levels have been correlated with the aggressiveness of Hashimoto's. In my experience, the women who have been able to get their thyroids into, or their Hashimoto's into remission usually would have optimized vitamin D levels and kind of have their ducks on a row with getting rid of their food sensitivities and getting rid of their, um, you know, nutrient deficiencies. So those are pretty much the recommendations that I recommend for everybody to get started. The other thing that is is just so important but just not as scientific and not as popular is actually stress reduction and making time for self-care in your life. And this just, you know, it's like, okay, sure, I can, a lot of people will say I can change my diet, I could take supplements, but you want me to stop stressing out? You know, it it sounds easy, it's, you know, easier said than done, but it's just so important. So I encourage women to take a yoga class, to start doing meditation, to um, really think about the stresses in their lives and cut out what is stressing them out and bring in more of what is making them happy. Um, A recent, you know, recent study had evaluated all the different lifestyle factors for thyroid autoimmunity and Um, they have been able to find that stress or even trauma has been a precursor for for autoimmunity in in a large number of cases. And so getting your stress response under control and putting your your body in kind of a um, rest and digest mode versus a fight or flight mode is going to be very, very helpful to healing. And I know it, it sounds... It sounds easier than done, especially if you're dealing with the symptoms of anxiety, but, you know, really it will go a long way to, to do Epsom salt baths, to do some meditation, to do some yoga, and just really get involved in, in self-care. Yeah, and, and I can tell you, and in, and in people who have followed me know my story, that it wasn't until I really practiced extreme self-care and took care of myself that things turned around for me with my PCOS symptoms. And at one point, my husband said, gosh, you're really becoming a diva. And um, because I was advocating for what I needed, you know, I had to go to, and even though I had little kids at the time, um, you know, I, was, I, I made sure that I got to yoga or I had the right food that I needed to eat or I went to bed um, at a reasonable time. And, and I remember saying to him, you know, that's absolutely right. That's what it's taken for me to get this under control, and it's really this extreme level of self-care. And it, then it, it ended up making me a better wife, mother, daughter, friend, um, because I was being able to take care of myself and feel better. So I completely relate with what you're saying. I think um, it, that self-care piece is so critical. Um, So Mm -hmm. what do you think about um, pharmacological treatments? You know, uh, for women with PCOS, you know, we're often given the prescription metformin and um, even the birth control pill to help regulate PCOS. Um, So a lot of women are are familiar with those 
prescriptions. But for somebody with hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's, um, you know, what would you expect to hear um, in, in the doctor's office? What kind of prescriptions would you probably receive? You know, one of the first things that you will hear from most conventional medical doctors is that this is a lifelong condition and that there is that it's very easy to treat and that all you have to do is take this medication. And the most commonly prescribed medication for for thyroid disorders, for an underactive thyroid, as well as it was the most commonly prescribed medication in the United States in all of 2013, is a medication known as Synthroid, which is synthetic thyroid. And this is a medication that contains one of the active thyroid hormones that um, we affectionately call T4. And that thyroid hormone is, um, it, it has some activity in the body, but, you know, as a pharmacist, I like to think of it as a prodrug because it actually needs to be converted into the more active form T3 within our own bodies. So, um, you know, a lot of people have been very much helped by this kind of medication. I would say if somebody is having um, an elevated TSH and they're having thyroid symptoms and thyroid antibodies, getting on a thyroid medication can be like night and day. It can make a person feel tremendously better. Um, it can actually reduce thyroid inflammation, give the thyroid gland a chance to have some rest and reduce the autoimmune attack on the thyroid gland because the thyroid is not working as hard. Um, and the other thing is, you know, a lot of times people will be more, um, I guess, <clears throat> you know, suspicious of medications or skeptical of taking medications. But one thing to note is that thyroid hormones are actually the same chemical structure as the as the our own inter internal internally produced thyroid hormones. So most of the side effects that are going to be coming from thyroid medications are going to be to, due to either underactive um, or not under-treatment or over-treatment. So um, thyroid medications, you know, in a nutshell, can be very, very helpful for a person who is hypothyroid and addressing all of the symptoms of the condition. Um, one thing to consider is that the T4 medications like Synthroid or Levothyroxine or Levoxyl, which are pretty much the go-to drugs for most endocrinologists and primary care doctors. These medications are going to work really, really well in a subset of population. PubMed studies will say that about 90% of people will do just fine on these medications, but 10% won't. Whereas, you know, in my experience as a pharmacist and, you know, working with people with um, thyroid conditions from all over the world, it seems to be the opposite. But, of course, I think I'm biased because the people that ask me questions about this, about thyroid medications are usually the ones that are not doing well, right? So um, the other options for getting thyroid medications and getting the thyroid hormones balanced are going to be using a medication that contains T3 in addition to the T4 so that the more active version of the thyroid hormone is already ready for the body and it doesn't have to go through a conversion process. And um, some of the medications are known as Armour Thyroid or Nature Thyroid, WP Thyroid. These are actually um, glandular medications, so they're derived from the thyroid glands of pigs, which sounds kind of gross, but, you know, they do clean them up really nicely and um, they are effective and they are tested for accuracy and dosing. So they have been um, very, very helpful for a lot of people. 
The other option also is working with a compounding pharmacist who can prepare a specially formulated medication that contains both T4 and T3, and usually the compounding pharmacist will make the medication free of fillers if you ask them so that you don't have any lactose and you don't have any kind of corn or, you know, gluten, other kinds of things that can potentially impair the absorption of the the thyroid hormones into the body. And, you know, with respect to medications, I will say that medications are excellent for treating the symptoms. They're not going to get to the root cause of the condition, which, you know, is, is really my passion is making sure that the person is looking at the triggers and what's causing inflammation in their body to try to reduce or eliminate the autoimmune attack on their thyroid gland. And, you know, in many cases, people will have to, if if they've had a substantial amount of thyroid gland damage, they may have to continue the medications indefinitely. Um, however, some studies show that some people can get off of thyroid medications. You know, in my work with clients, I have seen some that were able to completely get off of medications, others that were able to reduce their dosages of medications and others that, you know, were not a, did not see a change in their levels of thyroid medications, but they felt much better through the use of, you know, lifestyle interventions and the functional medicine aspect. So you mentioned that doctors um, say that this is something that can be easily managed, but is it a condition um, that can be reversed? Once you've been diagnosed with Hashimoto's, will you always have it? You know, there are five stages to Hashimoto's, and the first stage is having the genetic predisposition to it and not having any kind of symptoms, not having any antibodies, and not having any attack on the thyroid gland. And then as, you know, you move forward, you have the the next stage is going to be thyroid antibodies, and then you move forward to having thyroid cell destruction, hypothyroidism, and eventually a progression to autoimmune disease to other autoimmune diseases. And, you know, this is something that's pretty scary because conventional doctors will tell people that they're more likely to develop another autoimmune condition like lupus or rheumatoid arthritis once they've been diagnosed with Hashimoto's. But, you know, really the focus of my work was how do we halt the autoimmune process? So is there a way to stop at the level that we're at or is there a way to go back in levels? And, you know, recent research advances have found that three things need to be present for every autoimmune condition to develop, and these are going to be the right genes, the right triggers, as well as intestinal permeability. So, you know, obviously we can't um, get rid of our genes at, at the present moment. We can't change those, but we do have the flexibility of figuring out what triggers are causing Hashimoto's, as well as um, figuring out the intestinal permeability part. So addressing our... Um, potential, you know, it's known as a three-legged stool of autoimmunity, and all of those pieces need to be in place for autoimmunity to manifest. If you remove one of those um, legs of the stool, then the autoimmunity will no longer manifest itself, and you can reverse autoimmune conditions. So, yeah, we've been able to see that time and time again through lifestyle interventions and identifying triggers. And it's very exciting to see when people are able to get rid of their thyroid antibodies and then some people are able to get rid of their, um, you know, need for thyroid medications and they will get thyroid ultrasounds and their thyroid thyroids start looking normal on ultrasounds. Um, I had a recent success story from somebody who had 
three different autoimmune conditions, and she was able to, um, you know, get rid of psoriasis, Hashimoto's, and um, and another third autoimmune condition through lifestyle interventions. So yeah, it's it's absolutely possible to reverse the condition, and you know, I won't say that it's that it's super easy and that everybody has to do the same thing. I will say that it is um, worth it and that doing a lot of these basic things like the, you know, supporting your body through proper nutrition, managing your stress, and, you know, getting rid of food sensitivities and getting addressing those nutrient deficiencies is going to be helpful for just about everybody and making them feel better. And some people may see a complete turnaround in their conditions. Other people, they may need to do you know, a bit more digging and, you know, my, my book Hashimoto's The Root Cause and my website thyroid pharmacist covers a lot of these things you can dig for. So, um, you know, one thing um, we can talk about are chronic infections. So an infection like H. pylori may actually confuse the immune system. So a person may begin to attack H. pylori bacteria, which has a similar protein sequence to it as our gut cells or our thyroid cells, and then the person will basically be, um, it, it's called molecular mimicry, where the person is essentially attacking both the bacteria and the thyroid gland because they look similar. And then some people, if we find this infection and we treat the infection, the person may go into remission as well. So it, it's kind of, um, you know, it is a process, but yeah, it, it definitely can be reversed. So I think what is a really great take-home message is that it's just important if you if you feel like you have some of these symptoms to get tested because if you go um, if you have Hashimoto's which is an autoimmune condition that is undiagnosed um, and untreated then it puts you at risk for some of these other autoimmune issues like psoriasis and lupus and you know, rheumatoid arthritis um, but you know, I, I always like to end our interviews on a hopeful note, and I think you've already kind of hit um, hit home that there is a lot of hope if you have been diagnosed with Hashimoto's. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely. So I would say that most people who try these lifestyle interventions, they're going to feel much, much better. Um, I would say it's definitely worth it. It's not going to be easy, and, you know, you're going to have to be your own health advocate. So mm-hmm. you're going to have to take things into your own hands. I would recommend... You know, you do your research and just really be kind to yourself and take the time to to get to to know, um, listen to your body and give it what it needs. And, you know, if you're tired, don't have that extra cup of caffeine, take a nap. If you're having acid reflux from after a meal, think about what you ate during that meal and is it potentially a food that you're sensitive to. So just, you know, really being in tune with your body and, getting um, these lifestyle interventions on board, you can really start feeling better within a few days to a few months. Um, For me personally, I had acid reflux for for almost three years. It was so bad that I I would throw up in, you know, garbage cans. I would be talking to patients at the pharmacy and I'd have to excuse myself because I would have this chronic cough. I had to sleep on floor pillows and would often wake up choking at night, and it was it was just awful. And I figured out that dairy was a food trigger for me. Within three days of getting rid of um, dairy out of my diet, the acid reflux was completely gone. 
and has never come back except for a few times where I accidentally had some dairy. So um, other people, you know, I've also had great success with a supplement known as betaine with pepsin, which supports stomach acid. So this is something that can be a big change overnight. Um, A lot of people with an underactive thyroid actually have low stomach acid levels, and getting enough stomach acid will help you digest your food. And this can be, you know, like a miracle because overnight all of a sudden I had all this extra energy. I went from sleeping 11 hours a night on thyroid medications to waking up after eight hours bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. So, you know, there's a lot of different things you can do and try to get yourself to feel better. And I would just say don't let another person prevent you from getting your health back. So if you found a doctor that doesn't agree with doing more testing for you or agree with trying to figure out if you have nutrient deficiencies. There's plenty of fish in the sea, and seek out somebody that will be supportive of you. And I have to say that your book is fantastic, too. So if if you think you may have Hashimoto's, pick up a copy of Isabella's book, Hashimoto's Thyroidosis. Um, I have a copy of it on my bookshelf, and I know I refer to it a lot when I'm talking to clients who... um, who have thyroid conditions. And where else, and you had mentioned where we can also find you online? You know, absolutely. So I have a website called Thyroid Pharmacist, and people go to can go to thyroidpharmacist.com slash gifts. I have a nutrient depletions guide that talks about the betaine with pepsin as well as some of the other important nutrients that can be depleted. And then I have a um, basically a gluten-free quick start guide. So, when I first went gluten-free, I did it wrong, and I actually set my blood sugar, you know, on a roller coaster and did it the, right, the wrong way. So I have a guide on how not to do that, as well as some great recipes. And um, if you go to thyroidpharmacist.com slash gifts, you can get that information for free. And then I also have a web uh, Facebook page, Thyroid. Um, if you look up Dr. Isabella Wynn's Thyroid Pharmacist, you'll find my Facebook page where we post helpful articles and things like that to support people in their healing journeys. Yeah, you have a great page. And I and I'll also post the link to your free gift as well below the interview so people can go directly there. Um well thank you so much for taking the time and um really explaining um all of the details of Hashimoto's. I hope that uh it's gonna be helpful for those listening. And I just want to uh, thank everyone for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much, Amy. It's been such a pleasure, and thank you for the work you do. 